0: I want to talk to you a little bit about the words of your warfare. I want to talk to you about the power of intercessory, the power of intercessory prayer and what that looks like. Now, I'm going to give you the light version of that this morning. I'm not going to go into a deep uh, teaching or, or uh, equipping on intercessory or prophetic intercessory, but I want to give you a taste of what that looks like because I believe that we are in a season right now of revival. Amen? Nobody agrees with me? Y'all, a quiet church is a, don't get quiet on me. Don't get quiet on me. We're not letting revival fire die here. You can go somewhere else you want to let that die. You can just go on. I'll just take 10 hungry people. I'll take 10 hungry people who want revival fire and just stick with them, but I'm not going to take a bunch of lumps in the room. Okay, we're going to bring revival fire, so we're not going to get quiet. Amen? Uh, look, I look, there's some things I tolerate from you all because I recognize, you know, the culture and all of that. Like, for instance, like this church just can't clap. I'm I don't, I don't know what to tell. You. you guys can raise the hands, you can praise, you can lay down on the altar, you sit real good. Okay, you guys sit real good. All right. But like some of y'all are like, yeah! like, you know. Yeah. Right? You guys. Like one person in the church, it's going, worship's going. Yeah, there it is. And like three people get the clap and the rest of you are like, eh, eh, no, it hurts. I see some of you. Don't act like you don't. You're like, ow, why so hard? It's true. Okay, so I tolerate that. I put up with that. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to get quiet with our words that come out of our mouth. We're not going to get quiet with our Amen. Where two or three come into agreement. You're amen. You're come on preach it. That go for it, white boy. That is your agreement. Okay, that is your agreement. And we're not gonna be a quiet church. Amen? Yeah. Well, that was that was um. <laughs> anybody watch the Olympics this week? No, no one? Do no. no no. no. you got? you guys all boycott it? Did I, miss the, oh, I missed the memo on that boycott. I missed the memo. You got caught up on Shark Week. It's probably a better choice. Probably a better choice to do Shark Week. So, you know, we're, we're in a season of Olympics, okay? So you don't have to watch the Olympics to catch this. We're in the season where the Olympics happen, you know, and the Word of God, I was talking about this earlier, the Word of God says in it that Jesus performed lots of miracles. Did you know that? Like, He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. He, he cleansed leopards, right? Got rid of all their spots, No, lepers. Okay. Oh, okay. Different spots. All right. So he (laughs) cleansed all of the lepers. He got rid of all their diseases. Like he saw crazy radical miracles. He turned bread into more bread, fish into more fish. He saw radical miracles. And then in the end, he told his disciples, greater will you do than I. Greater will you do than I. And he expected us to go out and do greater things. You know, it's amazing to me as, as, as I think about this and I ponder on this idea of greater things that nowhere else in the world do we resist greater than in the church. We resist it more here than anywhere and nowhere else in the world do we really see to resist that. And as you watch the Olympics, you will see that. It's not just about the person in first place. It's the world record they're after. It's the Olympic record they're after. It's the Olympic and the world record they're after. They don't just want to win first. They want to win best. They want to do something greater than what has ever been done. You know, they said for many, many years that the four-minute mile could never be broken. And when the first person broke the four-minute mile, I believe it was about 13 others that year broke it as well. Six or 13. I can't remember the exact number. It could never be broken, and once someone proved it was breakable, other people began to break it. So mankind in every area of our life, in every area of our society, in everywhere of our world, it is built into us to go for records. Right? To do something greater than what has been done before, except in the church. What does the church typically do? Well, that's not the way we did it. Well, that's not the way it's always been done. You can't do a new song. That's not the song we used to do. Well, I think this song is greater. Why well, I disagree. I think the old songs were just fine. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Does that not happen in the church? Do we not try to get into a routine? Then we say, but there, the, there, where's the routine? That's not the way we do it. Why are we doing things differently? And they resist change. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons why our church is able to flow in and out of change so well is that I'm constantly making sure that it never gets mundane and in a pattern. Because then people can't get settled in a pattern and start fighting me. And people that need a pattern don't usually stay a week or two, so I don't have to worry about them fighting me. And I do that on purpose. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say, Behold, I do an old thing. <laughs> nowhere in the Word of God, except of God's people. They're the only ones that, Behold, I do an old thing. They keep doing the same exact repetitive thing over and over again. You know what the Word of God says? He says, I resist your traditions. He says, I'm hindered because of them. He doesn't like the repetitive thing. Now, there's things we do over and over. There are the feasts in the Word of God where we celebrate every year. And so God is fine with celebrations that happen and, and things that happen routinely. He's okay with that. I'm not saying that there's nothing like that. But if you look at the heart of God when he wants to do something in the earth, when there is a movement of the Lord, it's always fresh and new. There is always a new way to pour it out. He's always breaking his last record. He's always going for a new world record. He is not interested in doing things less than the latter. Do you know that? So if he did something greater then, he wants to do something even greater now. We are in the middle of what's called the third great awakening. We're not waiting on it. It's right here. I've been seeing it. I'm seeing it just like I prophesied over a year ago. I prophesied the third great awakening was happening. And we've been seeing the outpouring of that. I prophesied that beach revivals were going to start in California from a beach in California. I released that word. And Jesse Green started Saturate OC, which turned into Let Us Worship when Sean Foyt came to help. And he's taken that revival all around the country. Jesse Green also took that revival. Well, Friday night, somebody made an arrangement for her in Kentucky to be able to go to the Red River Barn, where the second Great Awakening actually started in Kentucky, outpoured around the nation. So the second great awakening was birthed in this Red River barn in Kentucky. And they made arrangements for her to hold the revival an extra night there at the location of that. Now, why is that super significant? Well, first of all, she's seeing revival like crazy. We're seeing revival. God is birthing revival everywhere we go. Tent revivals are popping up. God is pouring out a spirit in these latter days. And what's amazing about that is, is I saw this today. Do you want to know how long ago the, the second great awakening was? It was 222 years ago. How many of you guys have heard other people talking about how 222s two, two, keep popping up everywhere? I am not, like, I am not one of those seers, okay? God, bless the body of Christ. We need the five-fold ministry. We absolutely do, all right? And I will teach on the five-fold ministry soon, and we'll talk about what that looks like and why we need it. But, you know, we just have different perspectives on the five-fold ministry. And a lot of you guys get into fights with other people because you don't recognize your lane. You don't recognize your calling. You don't recognize how God made you. And you think everyone needs to look like you. Well, if everyone looked like you, what would we need you for? Right? You don't understand your uniqueness. Let me give you an example. The five-fold ministry, okay? Um, It's real simple. Evangelists are already looking at their clock going, Why are we still in church instead of out there winning people of Jesus. You talk too much. Let's go do it. You gotta go do it. You're sitting here and there's people at Walmart going to hell. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Who's going with me? Let's leave right now. This pastor's preaching too long and souls are going. Right? That's what an evangelist does. Am I wrong? A teacher's like, man, you shout too much. Just go through the scripture and break it down one by one. What we need to do is understand the word of God even more. This guy needs to stop saying what he says and just tell me what the word says. That's what, a, that's what a teacher does, right? A shepherd says, says stop yelling at, you, at them and making them go. Their feelings are hurt, okay? Oh, it's okay, sweetheart. You come here. It's all right. He was, he was just, he wasn't talking to you. It's fine. It's fine, okay? The apostle is this. Grow up. Go do something. Stop being sheep. Become shepherds, right? Bunch of whiny babies. Become leaders, that's what apostles do, right? Apostle looks at you and says, are you re- you going you gonna to keep saying that? That's the confession of your mouth, you big baby? Is you going ba- to be a little baby? You're going to be a baby? <laughs> okay, that's an apostle, right? And the shepherd says, well, that was really mean this morning. You hurt their feelings. You understand the difference? <laughs> okay, and the prophet, the prophet is like, repent now, sinners. God is coming, right? That's the prophet, right? And then you have the seer of the prophet, the ones that are really seers. And they're walking around. They're like, I walked down the street today and I saw two butterflies. And the word of God says that we're two or more coming to agreement. And I saw that the earth was in agreement with God's word today. And then I looked and I saw a license plate and it said Kentucky. And I knew God was talking about the revival in Kentucky. And the numbers on there were five, seven, six. So I looked up the Hebrew word for five, seven, six. That's what the seer does. And, and, and the rest of us are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. So I pulled up to the car and I pulled up at the stop sign and I honked my horn and I told the lady to roller window name uh, down. And her name was Diane. And the words that the name Diane means, right? And they start breaking down the person's name. Nine- and what was interesting is her, her son's name in the car was John. And as we know, it is a season right now where God is rapport- pouring out repentance like John the Baptist. And that's how we're going to get to revival because John was in the car with the butterflies. That's, that's true, right? We love you, weirdos. I mean, we love you. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine, right? And I got some of those seers in my life, and I'm so grateful for those seers, even though I'm very, very confused most of the time. Okay? Like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're like, you see how all those connect? Huh. ha. Huh. Okay? It's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Okay. All right. Okay? I'm a guy. I'm a guy. I don't get it all, okay? I don't know. All right, But the truth is is that we need each part of these bodies of Christ. We need each one to flow and intersect together. We are all made differently, but there are parts of us that are exactly the same. There are parts of us where we cross over those areas. And no matter what your lane is, we all meet in certain paths. And one of those happens to be prayer. One of those happens to be intercessory prayer. And in this season right now, we don't need to be content with the same five minutes or the same 30 minutes or the same 16 hours a day of prayer you've been doing. If some of you are praying 16 hours a day, then you are intercessor, intercessors, okay? That's what you are, all right? If some of you are like, it's been three minutes, I think that's good. You're probably not an intercessor of prayer. That's like, that, that might not be your calling, okay? I'm like, I'm, like, I'm a microwave prayer. I'm going to cook that sucker real quick and be done, all right? And so I come to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, do it. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, okay. And I go about my day. Like, that's me. But I have, we all are intercessors. Every one of us, we might not be called to the assignment of an intercessor, but we can all intercede. Amen. And here's what I want to teach you a little bit about your identity. So you may be, you may be apostolic, and you may be prophetic and you may be a teacher and you may be, uh, um, uh, a prophet and you may be an evangelist. We may have all those lanes. But as we know, we can all evangelize, right? You don't need to carry the office of evangelism in order to evangelize. The Word of God tells us to all act as evangelists. So it's just that one then, right? If He wants us to act like that, shouldn't we act like that with all of them? Isn't that a statement to all of them? I believe it is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Okay? And so it's necessary for us to realize that we are all interceders. Why are we all interceders? We carry the image of God on our life. We carry, we're image bearers of the Almighty. And so we are to look more like Him. There is nowhere that you can look more like Jesus than to be an interceder. Did you know the most that you can resemble Jesus. We are all called to mimic Him, to, mo- to model Him in our lives. The best way to do that, one of the most profound and proficient ways to look like Jesus is to be an interceder. Because Jesus was an interceder. His ministry was the ministry of reconciliation through an accessory. He came to reconcile the world. Why? How? To, by interceding. He intercedes, it says in the word of God that he intercedes for us to the Father. Does he not? He came and became intercessory for us. He stepped in. Let me define intercessory because some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what that word means. But I don't want to ask. Okay, well, thank you for asking. What does that word mean, Pastor Rand? It means to stand in the gap. It means to stand in the gap. To intercede means I'm praying for you over you for your situation. I'm just going to give you the simple idea of this today. But it means I'm coming and I, I've heard that the Lord has come to me or you've come to me and said I have a need and I begin to pray over you. So when I pray for you, that's interceding. For your situation. When I pray over me, that's my supplications. That's my communication to God or my supplication depending on what I'm doing. Supplication, my, what, what, I'm interceding for myself. I'm giving God my, my Christmas list telling them what I need, talking to them. But when I'm just praying in communication, I'm in relationship. But when I'm praying for you, when I'm praying that God heal you, when I'm praying that God touch you, when I'm praying that God sustain you and hold you and bring peace over you, I'm interceding for you. And Jesus spent his entire ministry doing what? interceding. Every act that he did was an act of intercession. When he opened his mouth, he began to intercede. His very act of coming and dying for us was an act of intercession. He stood between us and our punishment, between us and our guilt. He took that on himself. He carried that burden for us. That's intercession. Now there's another level of intercession that's necessary that we get to when we press into intercession, we can move to this realm called prophetic intercession. Everyone say prophetic intercession. I just wanted you to say that so I had time to take a drink. All right. So prophetic intercession, I'll give you just a real simple today, is, this, is very simply this. When the Spirit comes on, so if you come to me, if Susan comes to me and says, uh, uh, Pastor Wren, I really need you to pray for me because my big toe hurts really, really bad. Okay. That's usually once or twice a week she does that. So, um, <laughs> right, I'm apostolic, so I'm gonna be like, grow up, you big baby, go, right? And that's what I'm gonna say. So, uh, <laughs> we'll just get the children's church to pray for those. They like to pray for those things, right? So, uh, but, but if she comes to me and says she has a prayer request, I'm going to pray for her as an intercessor. I'm going to intercede for her and declare and stand in that gap and war with her and come into agreement with her to see God move. Now, if you, if you want someone to come in agreement with you, the word of God says to come into agreement. It doesn't help when you have no agreement yourself. See, what most Christians do is they have no confession of their mouth. They just have the confession of their problem, but they have no confession of heaven. And so what they do is they come to you and say, my big toe hurts. That's awesome. What do you want from me? Well, I want you to come into agreement with me. That your big toe hurts? Yeah, I agree with you. It does. Do do you see that? There's no agreement to be made in heaven unless you have something to agree. So if you come to me and say, my big toe hurts, I want you to agree with me that God will heal it because it says in the word that by his stripes I am healed. So now I have something to come into agreement with. I have a declaration of your mouth. I have the testimony that God is a healer out of your mouth that I can come into agreement with. And now you've given me powerful words that have the ability, uh, a prophetic decree into the earth. God will heal me. I want you to agree that God will heal me because his word says. So we've released a prophetic decree and we've lined ourselves up with the word. Amen? And with that, I can come into agreement. So I have something to intercede with you about. Now, I'm not saying I can't just come over there because there's plenty of times that Jesus came and said, there's nothing to agree, but I'm Jesus. And so even if you don't do that, I'm gonna pray over you and God can move in that. So that, we're not saying that that's the only way. I'm saying it's a better way. Amen? Do we wanna see half healings? Do we wanna see half the people get healed or we wanna see all of them get healed? So we're gonna go for the world record, amen? Amen? Oh, we're swimming now, but we don't want just first place. We want to break some records. We want to win. We want to set records. So we want to increase. I'm telling you how to increase this morning. I'm telling you how to take it to another level. Come into agreement. Be somebody that is in agreement with the word of God. So two or more. Now, it says that he sent them out two by two. Now, Jesus came to the man at the well, and excuse me, the man at the pool and said, do you want to be healed? And he goes, I got no one to push me in the water right? And, and that kind of um, grumpy person that I can be, sometimes I'm like, I will kick you in the water right now. <laughs> no problem, bro. <laughs> Stand him up. I will drop kick him. I will work on my karate kick right now, right? Real roundhouse right into the water. There you go, okay? But Jesus, he has such a heart. Even though this man has no positive confession, he still heals him. So Jesus can do what he wants. God can heal you even if the confession of your mouth is a negative report. I want you to understand that God is bigger, but we don't, we're not just content with getting to the show. We want to set records. So we want to increase what's available to us. So I'm going to give you the increase this morning. Amen? Is that okay? You guys just want to stay like less than, right? You just want to stay in the back of the pack? Yeah. Okay. All right. So then let's go. So we get to this level that's called prophetic intercessory prophetic intercessory prayer. And that's where instead of Susan coming to me and saying my big toe hurts and telling me what the need is, there there is a moment where the spirit of God comes on me and begins to give me insight and revelation in how to pray. And there is an increase that comes straight from heaven that says you need to pray over this. So when, when I'm praying for her big toe, then I realize that the reason why her big toe hurts is because she's putting a lot of pressure on that big toe the way she's walking because something is actually wrong with her heel. How many of you know that if you have like a splinter in the back of your heel, you will probably walk on your toe, right? And eventually your toe is going to hurt. The toe is not the problem, the splinter is. But she has asked for, for a symptom instead of the root. And as you begin to prophetically intercess, where you start to ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation on how to pray, the Lord will come and say, begin to pray for the heel, not the toe. And you're like, whoa. So that, that is the increase of prayer. That is the level up of prophetic intercessory prayer. And we are all called to intercede because it is the one thing that looks the most like Jesus. If you want to look more like Jesus, you need to start praying for other people. Because that's what he did. And if you are not praying for other people, then you don't look like Jesus. You look like someone else. I didn't say it. You thought it. That's Jesus' ministry was about others. And so God has given this idea of prophetic intercession or intercessory prayer in order to line us up with the two greatest commandments. Love God, love others. And when we're pouring out, out of that, the act of intercessory, we begin to, to, to rise up into who we're called to be. If you want to get over your problems a little faster, pray over someone else's problems you will see the power of God show up in the worst circumstances of your life when you begin to pray. Why? Why is it that prayer has that power over us? Because you have an assignment on your life. You have an assignment on your life and prayer brings alignment for your assignment. When you pray, it lines the will of God up to your life. And not just pray your prayers, but that's why prophetic intercessory prayer is so important. Not just that you pray, but that you pray according to His will. Lord, let me pray. What we do is we start out with prayers that are our own prayers. But if we allow Holy Spirit to take control, then we will begin to pray according to the will of the Father. And when we pray according to the will of the Father, because we're listening, then what happens is, is that we are aligned to our assignment. And when we do that, we become aligned with heaven and we're able to move forward through the battle lines. You know, when there's a battle line made, you know, the whole goal of ancient warfare was, you had the Spartans, right? They were shield to shield, shield to shield. And they, each man had to protect the shield line because the worst thing that happens in a shield line is that it gets breached. So what happens is that good armies would not take... Let me just give you an example. You got 1,000 men lined up shield to shield and a 1,000 men advance on the, the army and butt up against those shields. Well, you have one man's pressure against another man's pressure. You have equal force being distributed. You, don't, you really have a stalemate. Their objective was not to slam 1,000 people in line to 1,000 people in a line. Their objective was to take those 1,000 people and like an arrowhead point them and jab them straight into the shield wall. Because if they could breach a shield wall, if they could breach a section in the shield wall, they could come around them and there was no more protection. And so they want to come and they break, so they funnel all of the power into the center or into an area to break the shield wall so they have an opportunity to flank or come behind and surround that enemy. The worst thing for a a warring uh, situation is for you to be surrounded by the enemy. Surrounded by the enemy. That's, that's the worst place we can be. So what happens is, is when we begin to release prophetic intercessory, when we allow the Holy Spirit to direct our prayers, we're the ones surrounding the enemy. Yeah, amen. Amen? amen? And let me tell you this. There are moments in your life where you are going to be surrounded by the enemy. Psalms 23 tells us that the Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That's what it says in Psalms 23. The Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Just because your enemies are there does not mean they have the ability to defeat you when the Lord has prepared your table. Some of you need to recognize that right there in the middle of the battle, the Lord can throw out the tablecloth and say, let's have a date. But Lord, do you see what we're going through? Come sit with me. Talk to me. And don't worry about the enemy. He can look on in envy. And allow that to happen when we press into our relationship with God and we don't falter in that area. God can show up and do do mighty things. Even in the hardest of situations. Doesn't make them fun. They're not fun. They are not fun. But man, glory can show up. Out of the darkest of moments, the light of God can shine. So I want to tell you about the power of intercessory because there's a, you know what? Here's the the big debate. Does it even matter if I pray? Does it matter what you pray in secret? And why am I even talking about prayer today? Pastor Wren, what are you doing? Do you know that every revival that's ever been sparked that we know about in revival history was always started by a couple of people praying? Do you know that? By a couple of people interceding for their city, interceding for our country. What, 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 I'm prayer, isn't that for the little old ladies in that in that suits for? It's for the little old ladies. There's always some little old ladies praying at the church, and that's why revival happens. What we need is some little old ladies to pray a lot. That's what we need. Pastor Ren, you need to hire some little old ladies. <laughs> the problem is that none of them want to claim that title. I'm little, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, they've never been started by little young ladies or big young ladies. I don't, I don't know any of them that were big young ladies or little... Young ladies. It's always the old I don't know what it is, but that's the truth. Okay, so there's there's people that are hungry and declaring the word of God and praying. And seeing breakthrough and revival happen. So this is an important part of how we see an outpouring revival is when people begin to pray for their city. Prayers are not just for little old ladies. Do you know something? One of the biggest places in the Bible that we can see an example of intercessory prayer happening on a regular basis or have prayers to pray, intercessory prayers, is in the Psalms. David continually offered up intercessory prayers over Israel. He constantly was praying over, Lord, your people. Lord, your people. Save your people. Heal your land. Pour out your spirit on your people. Deliver your people. It was always an intercessory act. If you go through Psalms, you will see intercessory prayer where David is not praying for himself, but praying for others. And he's offering up prayers. This man is a king. He's a leader. You want to be a leader? Start praying for other people. Well, Lord, when am I going to get my platform? When you start using it for others. When you start giving away what you carry. That's when God will raise you up. When your heart's cry is for the people, not for yourself. God will raise you up because to be an intercessor means for others. And that's what Jesus looked like. And if you are not about the others, you don't look like Jesus. Come on, can, can you guys just catch this this morning? Or do I need to repeat the whole thing again? till some of you are like, I get it. I need to step up in what I pray. And how I pray, we need to understand the power of that and the authority it has to shift and break the atmosphere. It does have power. I've seen it in my own life. When COVID happened, I was just the pastor of this local Mustang church. Now we have people all around the world that watch us on a weekly basis, on lives, on video to video, on Facebook, all over the world, on satellite television, cable television, and soon to be even more. Crazy, crazy opportunities have opened up this week. I won't even go into all of them, but even at midnight last night, I was getting offered uh, um, TV interviews and and TV shows that they want me to do. And I'm like, where did this come from? I messaged someone and said, we should go to coffee. And they're like, I should put you on TV. That was their response. I'm like, okay, well, we could do both of those. I could bring some coffee to the television station. Problem solved. I'm like, okay. So I was just hoping to have coffee. Uh, but God is so good, he opens doors. Why? Because, because when we're faithful with, with the people that God has given us to care over in our capacity, God will elevate your platform because of what you do with it. He will increase the seed harvest because you will plant with it, amen? He will increase your finances because you give. That's what he does, that's what he does, because he knows you're going to be faithful to sow it. He'll give you more to sow. And so what happened in my own life was I simply was faithful to God in a season where COVID shut everything down. Well, Lord, I could have been kicking and screaming, you guys need to pray for me. My church, no one's here. They're all afraid. And they'll come. Our people weren't afraid. So we we kept it open. We got to do outside service, right? This is stupid flu, you know, and and get upset and and. You know, we're just coming back from just being down. You know, we were struggling the year before and we finally came back up and this stupid thing came. And, Lord, help me. Y'all need to pray. But instead of doing that, instead of doing that, I just started going live on Facebook and praying for other people. I said, well, Lord, you've created me to pour out. I don't have really much to pour out right now. We're doing Sunday mornings, but we cancel everything else. So I guess I should find somewhere else to pour out. I didn't complain about my situation. I found somewhere else to be who I'm called to be, to look like Jesus. Jesus didn't have a synagogue to preach in. He preached in the street. That's what he did. He didn't have a synagogue set up. He didn't have a meeting set up. He just went down to the pool of Bethesda and said, why don't you get up and get healed? And he went over here and and healed this guy. And he found a guy in a tree and said, come follow me. Like he just went around doing what he was called to do, being who he was supposed to be. That's what we're called to do. So I just went live. I don't know. I'm gonna pray for people. Over a thousand people get healed in the first year on that broadcast. God just does amazing things. And it opens up doors and raises my platform up. Not because I was trying to be seen, but I was trying to let Jesus be seen. I was trying to intercede for people, to help people through a difficult time where I said, you know what? Right now people are hurting and they're hopeless and I can bring hope. At whatever level I can bring, I can bring hope. And so I don't care if it's to five, I'll bring hope to five. I didn't know it would be hundreds and then thousands and millions sometimes. Literally millions sometimes. And so God began to move in that. So I've seen the power of interceding. I've also seen crazy breakthroughs happen in prayer meetings. There's someone sitting in this room right now that is here in this room because a bunch of us prayed and they weren't there. They weren't even in the room. And we all gathered and prayed. And in the middle of that prayer, something broke. And you felt the power of God shift the room. And I said, what you've been praying for is done. God is moving in that situation. And within a week, they're like, I'm coming to church now. It was like, what? Years of trying to? Mm. And come on, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. And we all knew it. We all stopped and said, something in heaven just shifted. Because we were interceding. And they had no clue we were praying for them. Amen? Amen? That's what happens. So, okay, well, that's, that's really great anecdotal evidence, Pastor Wren, but do you have any scientific proof to back up what you're saying? Man, some of y'all are hard on me. Gosh. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so, so let me give you a couple of scientific studies that have been done on intercessory prayer. All right, and there's a couple of them. Um, but I was looking into this a little bit. There's actually been a handful of intercessory prayer studies done uh, over cardiologists or, or over heart hospitals, okay? And there was heart, these heart hospitals that, that they created these studies and they're scientific studies like published in, in scientific journals like American Medical Health and, and, and published on um, uh, uh, pub.med or whatever it is, pub.gov, uh, the, the medical site where all the studies get published, Okay. And they studied heart patients that went through heart surgery and studied what happened if they received intercessory prayer. What happens if they received it? What happens if they didn't know they received it but receiving it? What happens if they knew they were receiving it and received it? And what happens if they didn't receive it? And so there's all these different variations of that study. And I looked up three different studies. One of those studies had zero impact. They were prayed over in intercessory prayer, just like I said. And the study actually showed that the ones that knew they were being prayed over had more complications than the ones that didn't get prayed over. Well, Pastor Wren, you're not really making your case. Oh, man, I blew this one. Can we rewind on the tape and we'll just go again? Yeah, we'll just cut this part out after. No. See, here's the difference. There were two studies that showed a significant difference in intercessory prayer. And I'm going to tell you the difference, a significant difference. I can go through the statistics with you, but let me just summarize if that's okay. There was a remarkable difference in all of the outcomes after intercessory prayer was done. I'm not going to read you all the scientific mumbo jumbo that's going to confuse you. Uh, But let me see if I can just get the statistic here very quickly. But there was a rapid improvement, uh, 20 to 30 percent in most categories and areas uh, where people didn't need antibiotics. They uh, didn't have any seizures afterwards. They didn't have major complications after they received intercessory prayer as compared to the control group that did uh, did not receive intercessory prayer. Okay, so it was a huge, huge difference in, in those these two studies, and so they went down the line and they just checked uh, to see th- the difference. You had all these different categories. There's over thirty categories, like antibiotics, uh, sepsi- uh, septi- sepsis, excuse me, cardiac arrest, death, uh, pneumonia was a big one they checked for, and there was a massive shift in the people that received the prayer versus the ones that didn't. So mortality was reduced in the group that received prayer by 28.1%, okay? So it was, it was a huge statistical difference between the people that were healthy as not. And so it was, it was usually in the 20 to 30% difference, a huge range, a lot of them was 10 to 12% difference between the ones that needed like antibiotics and such. And that's a huge difference. That is not a statistical anomaly that's well beyond the margin of error for scientific studies. And they checked these. So two studies had massive intercessory differences between the prayer groups. And one study showed no significant change. Which one do you think I could find more information about on the internet? The one with no significant. Who do you think all the news reports covered? The no significant change. So I looked into it just a little bit because I'm like, okay, all right. So it had no effect. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this, right? This is the moment where we check it out. And so I looked at the study and the difference was this. In the other two control groups and the other two studies that were done, they told people what the person's condition was, what their name was, and they said, pray for them how you feel led to. In the third one that saw no significant difference, the scientist handed the people a prayer and said to keep it all uh, even and to keep it consistent, you must pray this prayer. Oh, wow. They handed them a written prayer, and there was no significant change in what was happened to those people as by the ones that were led by the Spirit of God to pray how the Lord led them. There is a big difference in uttering the same, over and over and over as a mantra and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. One has authority, the other one is just wasting your freaking time. God is not interested in your repetitious prayers. He is not interested in you said the words. This is not magic. We are not wicked. This is not hocus pocus. You cannot cast a spell on people. Prayer needs to be in alignment for your assignment over them. If you are called to pray for them, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit and be directed. Because the study shows that when people listen to what God said and line themselves up to the Word of God and the will of God and prayed according to the Spirit, change happened. Religion will not make a difference in your life, only relationship. So you might as well just get rid of religion. It's nonsense and you're crazy. Show me someone who recites memorized prayers and I'll show you a crazy weirdo. (laughs) See, I see the world change when I decree. If your decree brings no change, you're the crazy one. So you just keep on wasting all your energy and your time You're not praying to a dead God. You're praying dead prayers. Ooh. Thank you. Somebody wants me to preach. Okay, now I can preach. Thank you. One person. You know, there was a study done as well where Christians began to pray for their city. They just began to meet and pray for their city and it was done as a study. And they were praying specifically for God to move on the city. And the chief of the police said, ha, prayer is not going to work to help reduce crime. That's ridiculous. The only thing that will help reduce crime, and they laid out his 12-point plan, right? Of what was going to reduce crime. We need more police. We need more interaction. We need more this. We need that. Um, so they began to pray, and they cried out for mercy on the city from the Lord. And crime began to drop. In particular, murders began to drop. It was done by the members of Power of Faith Congregation in Bayside New Testament Church in, uh, in Portmore. That's where it happened. They reported there was a, listen to this, a 21.7% decrease in murders in the year of 2018. 21%. That means that for in it normally for every five people that died, they saved one person's life. Rape was down by 12.3% in 2018. Shootings dropped 22.2%, which is why less people probably died. Aggravated assault also saw a decrease of 12.1%. These are all beyond the margin of error. Serious and violent crimes dropped by 19.8%. Robberies dropped by 15.1%. Break-ins by 4.3%. In fact, the only thing that went up that entire year was larceny for some reason. (laughs) Larceny went up a little bit. Maybe they forgot to pray for that particularly because most people are like, what's larceny? So they didn't know how to pray. But you see this massive shift in the city that didn't have to do with community involvement. It didn't have to do with better policing. It didn't have to do with, with new routes or police officers or increased budgets or trainings. Or, it didn't have to do with campaigns. It had to do with prayer. It had to do with a group of people that interceded for their city as the Holy Spirit led them. The power of God Through your tongue is a powerful, powerful force to shift the world around you. It can release revival or it can bring death. It can bring destruction or it can bring new life. But I can tell you this right now God is not interested in repetitious prayer. He's not interested in you memorizing and praying the same way over and over again. He is not interested in your same old wineskin. He wants to bring new wine. He cannot put new wine in old wineskins. And so if you're asking God to pour out on you in a new way, but you refuse to become a new wineskin, He says, I can't do it, I will burst you. You need to transform into something that He can pour into. Some, some of you are like, man, I want your fire, Lord. But you are the same exact person doing the same exact things, living the same exact vices, refusing to give up, the same exact things that you did before. You're watching the same shows, you're talking the same way, you've got the same frustrations, you've got the same bad attitude, and you think God's going to pour out on you in a new way? Lord, fill me up. No, I'll burst you. No, I will burst you. God is not interested in bursting you. He's trying to renew your wineskin. Well, Lord, how can you pour out on them and not me? Because they have renewed their wineskin. They have shifted their wineskin. They've renewed their faith. They've increased what's happening. They have prepared and trained to break a record. They're ready to do it. Nobody showed up at the Olympics this week unprepared that is going to win. You know that? Those that did not train will not receive a medal. Those that did not renew and restore, those that came broken and messed up from training will probably not win a medal because they are not renewed. They are burst. You must be in a place where your body is ready to receive what the Lord is pouring out. Your spirit must be ready to receive what the Lord is pouring out. Amen? You cannot keep doing things the exact old way and expect a different result. We know that's the definition of insanity. You can't do it. So why do we keep trying to do it? What do we need? How do we get more of the power of God so that we can move into realms where what we decree will see? Because we are in that season where our mouth is more important than ever. Our prayers are more important than ever. Our confession is more important than ever. Yeah, yeah. Why is it important? Look, let me, let me clarify something I said last week. I told you guys this. I said, if, if you, what you call friends around you allow you to just vent all the time, get new friends. Yeah. But I want to clarify what I meant by that just a little bit deeper. You're allowed to vent. There are going to be moments you go through where you've got to tell the story to get the prayer you got to tell what's going on. We're not pretending. You're not hiding in a corner pretending like everything is just fine. Don't do that. Don't put on a mask and say, well, I'm not allowed to vent. What is the intention of your vent? What do you expect the results to be? And the person you are talking to. The Word of God says there is wisdom in wise counsel. It says there is wisdom in the counsel of many. So some of you guys say, well, then I need to tell everyone my story. No, you don't. But there is wisdom in the counsel of many. How do you get counsel from someone? You tell them the problem, they give you counseling. So there's nothing wrong with communicating what's going on. But if your result is that you just want someone to hear you and not try to help you, that is venting. If you have a problem with someone coming after you, tell them, I'm going through this, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, and then they say, okay, let's deal with it. Let's pray, or here's how you should handle it. The conversation should end with someone offering to stand in the gap and pray for you. If you don't have any advice for them, you have your intercessory voice for them. Begin to pray for that person, and God will shift in their atmosphere. You may not know what to tell them to fix their problem, but you have prayer, and prayer can fix their problem. Amen? We can pray for the baby. We'll fix the problem. No problem. (laughs) Everyone always gets so worried when a baby cries. That's what they're supposed to do. Get over it. Right? Moms and dads are free. Amen. Hallelujah. I just like to make jokes. You know, there are some pastors, like if a baby cries like that, they will, get that baby out of here. They're quenching the Holy Spirit. You know what? Jesus said, let the little baby come unto me. Bring him over here so I can pray for the baby, right? Amen. We need to shift our thinking about how we handle what we think is professional Christianity. It's not, I tell you, that's a whole nother rabbit trail, but it's nonsense sometimes. Hallelujah. So we need to shift into greater realms. So it's important that we learn not to vent about the little things. We learn not to be complainers about our problems, but it's one thing to ask for help and say, here's my situation, can you pray with me? Or can you help me? Or can you give me some counsel? But we can't be people that just want to vent all the time about our small things because I'm telling you the truth. Some of you know this is true. There will be a day that things hit you so hard that come at you that there is nothing to do. The Bible says Jesus wept. Do you think Jesus needed to weep? He wept because he, he, He had our heart and He interceded for us. There will be moments where you are with somebody and all you can do is weep with them. That's all you can do. There is nothing to say and there's only just your prayers. And there's nothing to do but just sit there and weep with them and share that pain and help carry the burden. There will be that moment that there, there is no words, but there is just the groaning and uttering of your soul. We'll all go through that. None of us are immune. We will live a long life. None of us are immune to that. Or someone else will go through that because of us. Either you'll go through it or someone else will because of you. You have someone you love? There'll be a moment in your life, may, hopefully when you are old and gray, that one of you will lose each other. And there'll be a minute of separation. And there is grief and sorrow in that. And there's all kinds of other things. And in that moment, you need someone to just be there and listen and hear. But if you have conditioned yourself to vent over the smallest of things, that thing will kill you. Instead of just rock you, it will kill you. It will destroy you. It will send you into trauma it will send you into brokenness that you will never come up out of. So you are training your spirit now so that when something comes against you hard, you are able to withstand the battle. You are able to withstand that. You are training your body, body, your spirit body, to not be injured by the advancement. Because you will face an obstacle in opposition. You understand how that ties into the Olympians? They go against the greatest in the world. They want to be the greatest. The only way that you're declared the greatest is to go against the greatest. And to do that, you need to train yourself to withstand the greatest. And so in that moment when you are rocked, are you going to rise up because you have trained yourself? Or have you trained yourself to be a quitter and give up in the small things? How will you ever face the big opponents when you give up on the little ones? You will never slay giants if you give up on the midgets. And too many people are complaining. But you don't understand. They keep attacking my knees. My knees hurt. Little midgets keep hitting my knees. (laughs) You are called to carry the warfare that God has equipped you with at a greater level. You're called to set records. Amen. David slayed Goliath. You are called to do greater giants than him. We are called to rise up and do something bigger than that. Some of you guys need to recognize and carry the weapons of your warfare. Can I tell you this? The reason why we have a five-fold ministry, I believe, is demonstrated right there in David and Goliath. I believe that's the five-fold ministry. Every one of you, when you came to salvation, got a helmet. Every one of you, when you have the Word of God, have a two-edged sword. Did you know that? Y'all got a sword. Everyone's got a weapon, but David had some stones. See, every individual gets a sword, but the fivefold ministry was represented by those five stones. I believe there was another purpose for that too, but those five stones were a new weapon. They were a weapon that David had five stones to rely on. He only needed the first one, but he used the other ones on the brothers. We need the fivefold ministry. We need all of the weapons. You have the armor, but you need more weapons. It's when you come into agreement with other people that carry other giftings and other empowerments in the body of Christ that come alongside you and add a stone to your satchel of weaponry. And you have more stones because you have more friends. You have more people standing in the gap around you. We need to walk in the giftings of the Holy Spirit. We need people around us that walk in a different level of giftings that we don't walk in. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Word of Knowledge, the word of wisdom, the, the gift of prophecy, gift of faith, gift of healings, the working of miracles, the discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues and interpretations of tongues. And the, the word says they're divvied out in different portions. And there are moments where you need one of those that maybe you don't have at a great portion at the moment. And so you need someone else who carries that stone that you don't have. He's got a stone, you've got a pebble. And there's a giant in front of you. And you need that. That's what intercessory is. Taking the giftings of God that are on your life and sharing that weapon with someone else who has a giant that needs to be slayed. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father God, Lord, make us an intercessory prayer. People who are interceding for others. Father, we thank you that you are moving in this house today. Give us the weapons of our warfare, Lord. Let us intercede for those that need us in this season. Let revival fire begin to pour out, Father, through the cries, groans, and utterings of our soul that intercede for revival, that intercede for healing, that intercede for breakthrough, that intercede for victory and freedom that intercede as weapons of our warfare, Lord. Let us pick up the stones of the fivefold ministry, the stones of intercessory, Lord. Let us hear your Spirit. Let us be unafraid to linger in prayer longer than what we did before. Let us be record setters. Let us go for gold in this season, Lord. Let us break the records. Let us do greater works than you did by interceding, standing, and coming into agreement with our brothers and our sisters to see the greatest move of God that's ever been seen. More souls, more lives changed, more breakthrough than we've ever seen. More healing We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.